On this episode of Glowing Up Asian, we talk to Hugh Yao, founder and CEO of LingoWaste. His global origin story began when he started to learn English as a 12-year-old kid. He didn't know it then, but becoming bilingual would later help him launch an international career where he would work for American companies throughout the Asia-Pacific region. When he became a father, he wanted to open the same opportunities for his son, and that led him to start LingoWaste, a global edtech company that's now the leading online language learning platform for children. Today, he shares with us his observations on the Asian diaspora that LingoAce serves and why Asian parents value academics so much. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Glowing Up Asian, a podcast where we break down the stereotypes and expectations about what it means to thrive as an Asian in America. I'm Daisy Kong, and today I'm joined by Hugh Yao, CEO and founder of LingoAce. Hello, everyone. It's my honor to be here to really share some experience from myself. You know, one thing I really love about Lingo Ace is just your origin story and how you founded it really for your son to help him uh, learn Chinese by making it a lot more fun and effective. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, immigrant Asian parents want for their children is to be bicultural and bilingual in both their heritage culture and their new home country language. Yeah, definitely. And I believe some of you already know this story. When, when, when I found this business, that is really about, and uh, we move our family from China to Singapore. And also actually, and uh, my son actually uh, look at English as their, you know, major language. So that's why actually we have the difficulty to really keep him um, speaking and uh, Mandarin at home or, you know, in school. So that's why actually we found the company to make sure that we can bring the best and uh, Mandarin learning experience to everywhere, no matter you are in Singapore, you are in US, you are in Europe or Australia. So before we get into the story of Lingo Ace, I wanted to take a little bit back um, to go back a little bit and talk about your own origin story and um, learn more about like how did you come to learn English? Yeah, actually, and uh, I'm I'm also a bilingual basically, and uh, I start to learn English actually from from twelve years old. So basically, I spent many many years actually in a very like you know boring way to learn English. But again, I think the result was pretty good because, and uh, you know, since I can speak English, so I get much bigger, you know, and uh, word to really to understand more about different cultures. And uh, after I joined and after I graduated from university, definitely I work for the U.S. American companies like you know IBM, Oracle, Salesforce, help them to manage their Asia business. So that's the way to even and broaden my view about the business. Now I understand actually and. How America run a business, run a global business to really serve big customers from many, many countries. That's a way how to organize a multiple culture team, multiple culture background team together. That makes me really feel about the power of the language. So, of course, after that, actually, I moved my family to Singapore. That's also another stage of my personal life. So, basically, in Singapore, it's kind of the city, a country. And uh, uh, combining East and West together, it brings a lot of the possibilities in one small country. So in the country, definitely, and I founded LingoWays as a company. And now, actually, you can see that LingoWays already serves students and customers from more than 100 countries, and including North America, Europe, and, uh, Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia, and uh, Australia as well. So that's really about a very, very actually and interesting journey. And from a uh, you know young kid, twelve years old, and uh, couldn't speak and English, and but actually until now, forty years plus, and you know, and old entrepreneur can really help like you know one hundred thousands you know and the students globally. That's an amazing journey. And was that 
always the plan, like when you started studying English at 12 years old, was it, I wanted to have an international career. I want to be able to like go out into the world and like work globally. Was that always your plan? Uh, definitely not. Because then actually when we were like, you know, and 12 years old, so I didn't really and uh, learn actually and English by my own choice. Somehow actually in the school and offers mandatory program. So actually everyone in a class, we must learn, you know, and English. That's the power of the, you know, and the education in Asian countries, right? So somehow we are forced to learn English when we were just 12 years old. Even actually our teachers couldn't speak very, very appropriate, like, you know, and uh, English. But we learned that actually by ourselves. And also we find every single opportunity to practice. So of course you remember that time, actually internet wasn't very popular, right? So actually we, ha we even have kind of the so-called English corner. So we have a bunch of the students, we hang out together, we speak English with each other. So that's the way we learn in English. And we never thought about some days we can really and leave and outside of China, we didn't even think about we can build a multiple and uh, you know national company. So definitely, and uh, that's not really that plan at the beginning. But actually, of course, and the step-by-step, step, once we, uh, I can speak and better English than others, so I have the chance to work with and uh, American companies in China to help them to manage the business in Asia Pac, and also moving forward, actually, and I get more exposure. Then I realize actually probably I'm ready to run a global company. So anyway, it's not really a plan, but actually, and we just see this happen actually gradually, and but in general, it's quite amazing experience. Was that something like when you're even your parents? I think growing up, like a lot of Asian American kids, they their parents are very like you should do this. Where did your parents have a path for you, and did you follow that in any way, or did you go a different direction? Uh, and uh, that's a very, very great question. Actually, and uh, I don't think and uh, I can speak too much of for on behalf of my parents, but you know, and uh, at least for my parents' perspective, they always think about. And it's, it's very, very important to go into a very top university or college. That's kind of the something actually they feel is very, very important, which I did, right? So I went to the best university in China. And after that, I think many things are really, really actually not exact as they plan. Again, probably, you know, today, if I ask my parents, am I and meeting all expectation? But from some angle, I think they would say yes, from like, you know, career success, probably actually I have done much more than they thought. But actually, and from like, you know, and the lifestyle style, probably they prefer that I can spend more time with them instead of the travel around the world. So every year, probably I only spend less than a week with them. So for that part, I think it's, it's kind of the, you know, and the not exactly the expectation, but actually that's, that's life, right? Very true. And I guess on the topic of just parenting, I know. Because Lingoways works with learners from over 100 different countries, you've probably had a lot of observations from both Asian-style parenting as well as Western-style parenting. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are your main takeaways from just working with different types of students? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think that a lot of the, uh, the ideas about Asian parenting style, right, so actually tiger moms, parenting, and all these kind of things. Definitely, I think in Asian culture, like, you know, Japan, Korea, China, and most of the families look at actually very, very great academic results and also uh, top universities are very, very important for the for the, the whole education. And I believe some of the reasons really about in the, the past few years, you know, a few decades. So the economic of Asia grows very fast. So that's why a lot of the parents themselves 
they see the education really change life, right? So for example, like myself, it's kind of live example. So I got very good education and, you know, in, in China. So that's why I have the opportunity to work with American companies. And also after I get exposure more, I can, you know, build the capability to run my own, like, you know, the global companies. So that's really a live example of, uh, you know, and the success of, uh, you know, and education in, in angle of the Asian parents. So that's why today I still think about a lot of the Asian parents and agree and also continue to and believe that education changes life. So that's why they push very hard for the kids are really, really good out there, you know, in the mother tongue, on the second language, in many ways, you know, in many cases, which is English, right? And also they need to be very good on math, they need to be very good on art so that they can be very, very understanding and uh, so that they can go to the, you know, top universities. So that's still and you know, works in uh, Asian and culture background. So that's why it's very, very understandable. But actually, and recently we can see that a lot of the changes happening as well. For example, like, you know, AI development recently. So that also give a lot of the, you know, and the, you know, and the thinking to many parents as well. How should they, or maybe myself, I'm, I'm parent as well, right? So how, how, how shall we really, and, uh, to, you know, and raise our kids in the new context of the, the whole change of the world? So of course, I also see a lot of the great ideas from like, you know, Western and, and, and Western parenting as well. So you think about actually in the Western families, actually many of them don't push and, uh, you know, academic results that much. So they spend a lot of time to really build the, you know, and the characters of the young kids through sports. So they build the perseverance and the characters, they, 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 they encourage the creativities of the young kids. So that's why I truly believe in the future, there's no, you know, Asian culture and, and parenting culture or maybe Western and, and parenting. So I think we need to put them together. So combining like you know, and the, of the Asian parenting and the Western parenting, so can help us to build next generation. Firstly, they are really, really uh, good at academic, so they can really have kind of the logic thinking, which is very strong. And also, basically, they can be they can have more creativities, and also they have more perseverance when they see, you know, many many challenges in their life. So. Uh, again, I think basically this world is kind of the, a global world actually. And uh, if the, no matter the parents from the, you know, Eastern and uh, Asian culture background or Western culture background, if we can learn something from each other, definitely the combination of the difference and the parenting can make the next generation ready for the uncertain, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, generation. I noticed one thing you mentioned was like, they do want their children to like learn their mother tongue and for some it starts off as like the Asian language that is from whatever their parents had spoken, but then they eventually adopt English. It's a very common struggle between parents and children in immigrant families to like continue to learn that native tongue. And so I know that was like the the start of Noise was like that of your own personal battle with your son. I'm curious, what made you realize that this like very private conversation between parents and kids was something that actually many parents struggle with and wanted a solution. Most of the, you know, and immigrants family and from Asia, no matter where they live, they, you know, and the United States, Canada, Europe, and Australia. So they are all struggling on the way to maintain their mother tongue, right? So basically for young kids, actually I faced a very similar situation with my child as well, because in a, in a, in a local language environment, it's not cool to speak your mother tongue right, in front of others. That's why, for example, even some young kids feel like, you know, to speak and Mandarin, Japanese, Korean, all these kind of languages is a shame in front of other kids. 
So that's why actually, and uh, we believe actually, and there are a few ways to improve that. So number one, definitely is really about to make the young kids feel proud to speak their mother tongue. So that's their identity, right? So that's why actually we need and work together to really and uh, to build the respect to different culture to make sure every young kids when they speak their own mother tongue, they feel proud of it instead of the fear shame of that. That's kind of something we need to build as adults to make this kind of the society more like you know, an inclusive. That's you know I think many and AAPI you know and the communities are doing this kind. But other than that, I think that we also need to make the learning fun, right? So actually, for example, the young kids learning a language, their mother tongue, but actually they don't really use that in daily base, right? When they go to the restaurants, they don't really see the menu in their mother tongue. So when they actually, you know, and, uh, you know, go to travel, they don't really uh, speak the mother tongue and uh, frequently. So that's why, anyway, I think that we need to make the learning and the fun. So for example, that's why Lingoways build a very uh, in, you know, interactive and program for younger kids. So think about for young kids. The golden age group was like, you know, under three, maybe to 80 years old. So when they are three to 80 years old, they can acquire a language so quickly, right? So even actually in the future, and uh, they can, they, you know, uh, even in the future, they don't really speak that language that much. So they can still pick up the language anytime if they can really have the foundation when they are three or eight years old. So that's why Lingo is really focused on the age group to make sure like, you know, young kids from three to 15 years old can really learn the language to build the foundation and to build the confidence of speaking, of listening, and a little bit on reading and uh, on uh, writing as well. So that will provide a lot of the confidence and also possibilities. Think about actually, and uh, it's not only about like, you know, and to learn a language, so you can have a better career, you can have, you know, and a higher income, but it's more about more possibilities, right? So you can explore your bigger world and through your bilingual capability. It's cool, right? So another one is really about, and the, you know, the young kids can also build a connection with their parents, with their grandparents. So to really, and, uh, you know, and show this kind of the, their, you know, which and, uh, you know, and the uh, part of the culture they belong to. So this is very important. That's why Ingo is definitely, you know, has done something, but as you still a long way to go, we would like to build more to really, and, uh, encourage more young kids feel like, you know, it's proud of the speak their mother tongue and also like, you know, and uh, like to speak in their, their mother tongue and also learn that in a fun way. That's something we practice. You brought up an interesting point, like where a lot of, um, this is like one very common topic that happens with like a lot of Asian immigrant families is like the battle between like learning your native tongue. I'm curious, has there, have you had any other observations about the immigrant uh, Asian diaspora community? So like beyond, uh, just like across the world, like is there other similarities that you have noticed? Yeah, that may you know it's it's very interesting. We see that actually uh, it's more about a generation. But we see the first generation diaspora. So very interesting observations really about no matter they live in LA, they live in Singapore, they live in Hong Kong, many of them share the same like you know live lifestyle. So that's why they always think about uh, the learn uh, learn the mother tongue is so important. So that's why actually and uh, they push very harder and to you know and make sure the kids can speak the language actually they spoke, right? So, which is very, very, very important for the first generation in you know, diaspora. But actually, and after a few generations, I think that basically, and they will be more, you know, local. So that's kind of the the, the very, very difficult for the for the parents to push the you know and the younger kids to learn their you know and mother tongue. But actually, very interesting. I have some observations really about. Sometimes we can see that, and maybe from the first gen, they they push the mother tongue very, very badly, and for. For second gen, maybe they lose the interest. But actually, go to the goes to the third gen. Actually, the second gen push the third gen very badly because they feel 
it's a regret. They don't really speak and they are monotone very well. So, for example, actually, I, I met some parents. They 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 actually they told me, I wish actually my parents pushed me hard enough so I can learn Mandarin actually when I was young and much better. And then I have you know more possibilities than today. So that's why what I can do is really about and I push my kids. I will ask them to learn Mandarin earlier. So that's kind of the very interesting, you know, and the observation where we talk with different parents in US. In like you know, and uh, Europe, you know, and Australia, Southeast Asia as well. But you know, more and more people realize it's very, very important to have you know, a bilingual instead of the you know, one just one language in the country they live, because that really brings more possibilities for the next generations. Would you say that that trend between like the first, second, and third generations, like uh, let's say within the Chinese diaspora, is like pretty similar across different countries, like even in the U.S., Thailand, or. Singapore, like, is do you see that trend pretty common? Yeah, that's pretty, and uh, and we probably offer in different country the kind of the slightly different, but actually, I, I I really see that currently you can see that the whole world the economic the economic actually is kind of integrated, right? So in that way, I think a lot of the parents and realize that the advantage of the bilingual is very important. So one thing is really about, and the kids have more possibilities, but you know even beyond that, actually, and the a lot of the research shows that, and if the young kids can have a very different or maybe complex a second language and ability, so that's why that will help them to develop the cognitive ability as well. So that's why actually, and many and parents really think about the bilingual or even trilingual would be very important for the for their for their kids. So that's kind of the something Olingo is also believe is our you know an mission to help more families. Another topic I wanted to talk with you about was just like a little bit more about Asian style parenting, which is like very focused on academics and more specifically like focus on the exams and like doing well on exams. And I think there's this stereotype among Asian parents, especially mothers, that they're the tiger moms, and so like it's controversial. But there is like um. It is a style that you do see sometimes where parents are very strict and like they're very heavy emphasis on like getting good grades. Whereas it's, um, it's kind of like in contrast to like the culture, let's say in the U.S., which is exams are important, but it's actually the application for college. You have to be very well rounded and you have to have like a lot of extracurricular and a lot of activities to like show that you're a whole person. Any thoughts on like those those two different approaches? Like when you have someone's like very focused on like one thing, but then like you have like a system that's very like it needs to be. You have to do everything. I think basically, and as I mentioned about the Asian parenting and the Western parenting, actually fundamentally there are a lot of the difference. And also the reason is really about actually and uh, like you know the parents sees the benefit of education themselves, and since they are well educated, right? So for example, many parents and they are Asian parents, they are in U.S. right now, and because they have very very good education, right? So they're the best students actually, and the uh, in Asia, so they have the opportunities to move the family, move themselves, move the family to the United States. So that's the reason they see the benefit. That's why they hope their kids can really and uh, you know enjoy that, can repeat the success somehow. Actually, that's and I think that's the best kind of the reason. But actually, and I also understand in the Western parenting culture, right? So actually, and we need uh, the kids needs a lot of the activities. It need to be very good on sports, very music. To make sure they can enjoy their time when they grow up, they can maintain the very great creativities. They can challenge the stakeholder and can really and be the leader of the communities, which are also very very great in the context of the Western culture. 
But I think the, 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 the interesting part is really about since the Asian parents already live in US, right? So actually, and uh, those parents need to follow the, 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 the rule in, 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 this, in this part of the world. So that's why actually we also see many, many Asian parents are changing as well. So they will also to really and uh, you know invest a lot of time on the sports and also invest a lot of time on the you know arts and music this kind of the area. So make sure the kids can really have fun. So basically, I think these two styles actually, as I mentioned about, and Asian parents parenting style definitely has very very great actually at the outcome because the kids have very very strong academic foundation. So that academic foundation can really and give them you know more potential. Right when when they when they grow up, no matter in academic area or in a professional job, but actually and uh, also the Western and the culture also through the sports, they can build very strong that perseverance, the grit and the mindset, and also the creativity and also be a challenger to stay cool. All these also to help the young kids to grow. So that's why I think more and more like you know I see many of our like in Asian parents they they absorb a lot of the you know good ideas from the Western parenting. And also recently I see, you know, on Lingo Ways, we also have many like, you know, Caucasian families. They ask their kids to learn Mandarin with us. So I, I can also some, you know, the Caucasian families and the, you know, the non-Asian families, basically they would like to also improve the, you know, an academic result as well. So again, I think that these two cultures definitely can share some ideas with each other and also to make the younger kids and ready for the future. So I know we're nearing the end of our conversation and I want to bring it back to the glowing up Asian theme. And I know that when you learn English as starting at 12 years old, it was always in a classroom environment. And I'm assuming like when you started working for an American company, that's when you really had to like put it to use. Were there any like stories of just like how you were able to navigate, let's say your leadership teams that are in the US, United States, as well as like, but working with your colleagues who are across the Asia Pacific, like how did you like learn to navigate that like in real real life and use what you have learned in the classroom. Learning a language is just a starting point, right? So since I can speak English, so I, I have the opportunity to work with American companies. And but actually when I joined a company at an early, early stage, actually I was quite struggling, right? Because and as a Asian employees, so I was very quiet. I basically at the, when the leaders have some kind of the you know, challenges, normally we just follow the leaders, right? So instead of the give our ideas, instead of the, you know, and uh, to to really share my voices and to share my understanding about business, that was the situation. I think the first few years I was quite struggling. And later I realized actually, uh, you know, if I, since I understand more about the business than our leaders, because our leaders are in US actually, and we were in Asia Pac, so we understand the business more than that, DDX at least. So that's why actually, and uh, I gradually changed my style to really and share more voices and uh, to give them, you know, suggestions to give them proposals and to really and execute as well. So that really and uh, grow my career and uh, you know and uh, in MSC, IBM, Oracle, and Salesforce. You know, very interestingly, actually, and I also observe very similar situation in Lingoways as a global company. As Stacy, you know, you mentioned, we have team members in US, we have like you know, and uh, even bigger team in Asia Pac. So we, we see many, many interesting differences like that. For example, like, you know, when I have the meeting with American team, so no, you know, no matter which position they are, they can really and ask about what is the company's vision? What is the roadmap? What is the, like, you know, and the challenge as a CEO, what, what keeps you awake and overnight? So basically all these kind of the very, very, and, uh, you know, and the creative questions actually are from 
Sometimes they are, they are from very, very junior and uh, entry level and, uh, and, 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 and employees. So we think that's a great and, uh, you know, and culture and we can work together. We can make this company, we can make this team and make everybody better. But at the same time, actually, and we can also see that in our, like, you know, Asian, Asia pack team. So they are super strong on execution. So very few of them like, ask, what is the roadmap? What is the you know, direction of the company? But as long as we have the plan, they just execute and, uh, you know, and relentlessly. So that's why actually we can see the result very quick and also with higher quality and iterate very fast in, a, in, in, in Asia pack. So that's why actually I think about it's very interesting. And uh, it's a, it's, it's, it is an amazing experience to match a global company. So that's why we can see the different and the employees and the style and the, from the different culture. So that's why actually, and I really think about it's very important to integrate the company as one, which is what I'm doing now, right? So to make sure like, you know, and the, the you know, and the Asia pack team, they can really and see more and the vision and the vision of the company can really look at a long, even longer view about business can be more like, you know, strategic thinking. And also we can really have like, you know, an American team work very uh, closely with the Asia pack team to make sure we can iterate our business. We can iterate our customer experience and very quickly so that we can really uh, provide much, much better customer experience. And also we can bring more value to our customer and also we can develop the organization. So that's why actually, and, uh, you know, anyway, so I think that from the, why I can, I'm able to really, and, uh, you know, see the difference and also I can. At least I'm working on an integration of the two different cultures. I think it's really because at early, early stage, and I have the experience as a participant, right? So as a, like, you know, the junior employee, American company, myself experience and how I work with them, how I really uh, change my working style from very, very Asian style and gradually to a little bit American style. So now I will see there's multiple culture styles for now. So again, you know, think about the opportunity. It's very, very important because I can speak English, right? So I'm a bilingual. So that's why I get the opportunity. I get the culture, you know, and exposure. So I can really manage a global business. Right? So that's kind of the different stage. So that's why, and be a bilingual is very powerful to really and build, you know, can help everyone to build a career and step by step. Do you have like example, like where that has really come to help you like overcome a specific challenge, like whether it's like some type of misunderstanding where you're able to just like, oh, actually this is what this is, what this means and this. And I, I'm kind of curious about like those types of stories because like those are like the real, like really putting everything to use. Yeah, I think definitely and uh, it happens every day we see that. So and as I mentioned about uh, the, in Asia Pack, many actually employees actually they are not very, very direct, right? So it means actually they have some thoughts about the business, they have some thoughts about their own career, right? But actually, uh, normally they don't really uh, speak out, right? So actually, uh, the, as a leader, we we shouldn't, at least I, I don't really make the assumption, okay, they are fine, but actually they are not fine. Right? <laughs> so they have a lot of ideas actually, and so that's why we need to have, you know, and the very like, you know, the nice and the long conversation with them to discover, to discuss actually uh, the, what the trouble they are facing now. Because as a leader, I always believe it's very important for us to make our team members' life easier, right? So that's why actually uh, we need to spend more time with them to really figure out and uh, what they would like to achieve, what they feel, what they feel proud of that, all these kind of things. And actually, so that's why this is one part. But another part is about work with American team. 
So actually, and uh, they ask better question, very, very direct, very straightforward. So it doesn't mean they are not satisfied with the situation. It's just, you know, they would like to understand more. They would like to challenge the stakeholder to make the situation even better. So that's why, you know, and as a leader and uh, myself, I don't really feel this is kind of offense. It's not. So it's really about everybody would like to make a company better and through their different ways. So that's why for myself, I have the multiple cultural background so I can understand that. But I, I also encourage my leaders because some of my, my leader in the live in US, but they have like team members in Asia back. Some of my leaders live in Asia back, they have team members in America. So that's why actually, and make sure they understand the, the way and uh, of the communications in different cultural backgrounds. That's a super, super important to run a multiple culture, like, you know, and the company. And I think that's kind of the challenge we are facing. And also we are working on that. So I think still a long way to go, but actually, and I feel it's a very exciting journey to make sure and different, the people from different cultures can work together. So you can imagine that it is very difficult, but once we can achieve that, we can really have the best part of Asian culture and also the best part of American culture. If we put them together, I think the result will be definitely much, much better than a single culture company. One final question, which is being both a parent and in the education space, what's your hope for the next generation? I think I have a lot of conversation with my son as well. So as I, as, as some some of you know, and the reason of building the is, is somehow because I want to have the better, you know, and the dual language program for, for my own child. So for the next generation, specifically for my, my own children, children very, very specifically, I think it's really about, and they need to really be, have the perseverance and also to embrace the uncertainties, right? Because and, uh, right now everybody knows that actually, and uh, the things happened over the last 30 years was really, really, uh, actually we believe next 30 years, the change will be in the coming in you know, much, much faster way, right? So that's why actually, and no matter which skills they have, it's not enough. So that's why no matter language or maybe math and the code, even coding and the skill wise is not enough for them to face the, you know, in the future world. So I think it's more about their like, you know, creativity, their perseverance, their character can really help them to embrace the change, embrace the uncertainty. But for us, I think always, you know, as parents, we just give them the best wish and also to, you know, equip them with and more characters and more creativities and less skills. Thank you. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by Lingoways, the best way for kids to learn Mandarin, Chinese, and English. Co-founded by a parent and a teacher, Lingoways' award-winning online language learning platform connects students with professional teachers and uses a research-backed curriculum that makes learning another language fun and effective. Learn more at lingoways.com.